Welcome back to the Official Jets Podcast. We are presented by WinBet. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. Eric Allen inside the Bet MGM studios. I'm joined as always by Leger Doosable. Doos, let's put a wrap on 2021 <laughs> today properly and yeah. then look ahead to 2022 for the green and white. Overall, what did you make of the Jets this season? What is your top headline? Progression, right? That's what we wanted to see, EA, and I believe that's what we saw. We knew this was a team that wasn't going to win a ton of games, but the one thing I wanted to see was them compete, right? And I knew with Robert Sala and his coaching staff coming over here, that wasn't going to be an issue, and that maybe have been an issue last year, especially down the stretch of the season. But the last four games of the season, this team went out there and they fought, man, and you love to see that if you're a Jet fan, especially looking towards the future. So I think progression is the one word that I would circle and be like, well, we got that done, right? Because we wanted to see progress throughout the season. We saw that from the young quarterback. And I know we're going to break this down specifically offense, defense, and special teams. But we saw progression at times on the defensive side. And then the kicking game, man, I know that was a major issue for the Jets in the beginning of the year. But it seems like they may have rectified that issue as well. So progression is the main word, I would say, EA as far as the word I would describe this season. How about Braxton Berrios? Yeah. First team all pro. <laughs> well deserved. Pro Bowl alternate, but a first team all pro at the kick returner position. And and being named all pro is, is way more prestigious than you know getting voted in as the Pro Bowl because we've seen sometimes that's just a popularity contest and Braxton Berrios deserved to be in the Pro Bowl, but he got a better accolade in being all first team all pro. Not too many people can say that, man. And so I just think that the beat writers and a lot of his peers and, and players and coaches saw what type of player he was when it came to special teams. And we saw what type of player he could be on offense down the stretch of the season. Sucked that he wasn't able to finish the, the season strong uh, and he missed the last game of the year. But in the return game, he was a game changer for the New York Jets, not only in the kick return game, but in the punt return game, we saw the electrifying return versus Jacksonville Jaguars. Believe the late, believe led the NFL in return yards as far as average this year. So uh, th this guy is a, a piece that I can see the Jets definitely holding on to. I think he's a piece that is good for the locker room. He's got a real rapport with Zach Wilson. The coaching staff trust him. And to me, that's the most important thing, right? When a coach can trust you, know you're going to be in the right position to make plays, always going to do the right thing as a great locker room guy. I think this is a guy to just have to lock up in the future. Barrios, a multi-purpose weapon who really developed not just from a special teams perspective, but yeah. being a fit in Mike LaFleur's offense. And as we speak of receivers, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention the passing of Don Maynard Deuce. Man. 633 career receptions, averaged 18.7 yards a grab, 88 career touchdowns. Dandy Don was the first one was one of three players to have more than 50 receptions and more than a thousand receiving yards in five different seasons when he retired. He was before his time, our yeah. uh, Jets Ring of Honor member, a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, many blessings to his family because he was one of the best Jets of all time. Yeah, an all-time great Jet, an all-time great football player. And then, yeah, you know, you just want to send prayers out to his family as they're dealing with this time. But, yeah, Maynard is in the ring of honor for a reason. He's in the hall for the reason because he's a great player. You talked about the accolades right there. Uh, I believe 5,000, you know, yard receivers 
uh, over 50 uh, 50 receptions in those seasons as well. And as you said, EA was way before his time because back in the day, that's when they ran the football a lot. So a guy to put up those type of numbers receiving back in the day lets you know what type of player and athlete he was. And again, just, uh, you know, we don't send out my prayers to his, his loved ones and his family members. Yeah, a, a, a valued member of the Jets family, Don Maynard, will always be connected to this franchise. He set the standard at the receiving yeah. position. And the Jets, back in the day with Joe Namath and Don Maynard, they were ahead of their time because 100%. they started throwing the ball down the field. So getting back to our top headline today, you saw the progress from the yeah. Jets in 2021. Joe Douglas said at his year-end news conference that, bottom line, I have to be better. It starts with me. The Jets, six wins over the course of the last two seasons. Mm. But while what Joe said is accurate, the Jets have to win more, you have to be encouraged where they are from an infrastructure perspective heading into this offseason. Remember, Robert Sala was hired last January 14th. These two guys have been together for a calendar year and a couple days. Mm -hmm. And the Jets played more rookies than anybody in the National Football League this season. Yep. They have four picks in the top 38 in the draft, in the 2022 draft, including two in the top 10. And they have more than $54 million of cap space available as well. Yeah, yeah, two, two in the top 11, because I believe the Seahawks pick is uh, the 11th pick. But um, if, if you talk about what Joe D just said, like you have to be excited because, yes, we've seen progress, but he's not satisfied, right? Six wins in two years is not going to get it done. And and for your GM to come out and say that, it means a lot. It, know, it lets you know that he's thinking of the long-term goal, right? He wants to sustain success for the New York Jets, and he feels like he has to do a better job. And rightfully so now, if he can have a draft class like he had this past year, then he's in the right, he's heading in the right direction. The thing that I think a lot of people have been concerned about is his free, free agent acquisitions, right? You talk about Carl Lawson going down. That was your major, you know, free agent acquisition. Corey Davis missed significant time with an injury. Jared Davis missed significant time with an injury. So you're talking about a team that's going to have maybe close to 60, 70 million dollars in cap space. Uh, you got to hit on, and we talked about this before earlier in the year, EA. You have to hit on three to four of those free agency uh, pickups because if not, you're setting you're setting your team back because you're allocating so much money to to that position. If they're not paying dividends on the field, that's less money that you can allocate to something else that you can help on the team. So yes, hitting in a draft is major, but when you bring in you know contributors from day one in free agency, those guys have to hit EA. Like three of those, three to four of those guys have to hit. Because if not, you put yourself against the eight ball. Again, we just talked about the injuries. The injuries to both Corey Davis, Jerry Davis, and also your big free agency uh, acquisition and Carl Lawson. Like, this mm -hmm. was a guy that was supposed to be, you know, a double-digit sack guy this year. And in, in all intents and purposes, it looked like from training camp and what he was doing that he was going to be that guy. And you lose him to an Achilles injury, unfortunately. Hopefully he comes back 100% healthy. But – you know, sometimes when you're a GM, a lot of it is luck, man, because if guys can't stay healthy, then it looks like you've made bad, you know, acquisitions in the offseason. But a lot of times it's just people have gotten unlucky with injuries. So if you're Joe D, yes, you have to be excited about the draft class you just had, and hopefully you can build on another draft class in 22. But the free agency is, is going to be big because I believe this is the first time in recent memory that I believe the Jets will be spenders 
this offseason and try to make a go at this thing. Well, they have the flexibility. And another thing that we should stress here that you're saying maybe three to four free agents in here. Let's say I think there's going to be more, but you have to hit on three or four no, of those. Guys. Well, yeah. I'm saying like starter caliber. Players. Exactly. So, yeah. So my question to you would be at a floor, you might have six new starters next season. If yeah. you keep four, if you keep all those four picks in the top 38, you bring yeah. in a couple free agents at a floor, your minimum might be six new starters next season. Yeah, a hundred percent, and I yeah. think that's what the Jets have to do, right? Um, now, who's who's to say that they're going to stay in their positions that there are they're right. in right now with the top four picks we saw last year? The Jets trade up to get Elijah Vera Tucker, and essentially, you know, take away the third round pick. So we'll see what Joe D can do, and he has so much flexibility with the cap room that the Jets will have and the amount of draft capital they have. Um, <laughs> who's to say that they don't make a big splash in free agency and go get a maybe a Calvin Ridley? Or you know, even get an Allen Robinson in free agency, and then now that way you can you can start drafting for depth because that's what you have to do in the NFL draft, right? You have to you have to draft for depth and have good players on your roster. Like people will sometimes get so locked into I need to fill this position, but at the end of the day, you got to have good players on your team to win football games. So to me, um, I think he did a really good job of, of not only getting need last year, but but getting the best player available. We talk about Michael Carter dropping to the fourth round. Mm-hmm. Um, probably wasn't the most glaring need, um, but it was a, a need the Jets had, and they were able to get good value for him. Again, Elijah Moore in the second round, um, when a lot of people thought maybe they should have went on the defensive side, that was a good value pick, right? Because he's a good player. You got to have good players on your team to win games. So I think Joe D did a really good job of keeping his process. Too many GMs reach um, for need, and, and, and then that puts you behind the eight ball, but he did a good job of getting the best player available when they were available and then trading up to get Elijah Vera Tucker last year. Zach Wilson, nine touchdown passes, rookie season, 11 interceptions, almost a 56% completion rate. Mm-hmm. Didn't Wasn't asked to do too much down the field over the course of those final five games. Yeah. Jets juggling uh, at the skill positions, though. Tough I mean, they were decimated <laughs> by injuries, especially down the stretch. That Buffalo yeah. game, it felt like, Zach Wilson top, didn't top have a five chance, receivers though, route. <laughs> yeah, e- even though a couple of those sacks were definitely on him, you would yeah, say. For sure. But with yeah. that being said, overall, what do you make of Wilson's rookie year that he played in 13 games, missed four games with the PTL uh, sprain, comes back five games to finish the year without an interceptions? But yes, but baby. again, and we saw him making some plays with his legs, which was encouraging as well. I think Wilson finished the year with four touchdowns on the ground. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing, and you'd have to put an asterisk on that Buffalo game because while Keelan Cole was in the game, like Zach Wilson was comfortable. We saw that on the fourth and five. He hits him in stride for an explosive 40-plus yard touchdown. But it seems like Keelan Cole went out of the game. Now you're talking about your top five receivers being out. Like Zach Wilson was literally playing with guys – and this is no disrespect to practice squad because I started my career on the practice squad, but guys <laughs> that had literally been there for maybe only a month. Um, you know, Tyreek Black came into the game and made a really big catch. He hadn't been there long. So, I mean, Montgomery on the outside, these are guys that hadn't played a lot with the Jets. They didn't have the timing with Zach Wilson. So he was really fighting an uphill battle versus the number one defense in all of football, EA. But if, if you put an asterisk besides that game, I would say the last month of the season, we saw growth from Zach Wilson. And that's all we wanted was growth. 
Um, he saw that he could live within the offense. He didn't have to do too much trying to throw the ball down the field. But I really love his growth within the pocket, EA, right? He didn't, in the beginning of the year, he would just evade the pocket unnecessarily when there was semi-pressure. You have to realize in the NFL, pressure is real pressure in the NFL is different from pressure in college. What you think is pressure in college is not real pressure in the NFL. You have to be able to stare down the barrel and still make some throws. I believe he grew in that aspect. Like he, he grew in the pocket. He stood up in the pocket when that back foot hit, he let the ball go. And then he took his game to the next level when it came to anticipation, especially in that Tampa Bay game. Like the way he was throwing with anticipation was ridiculous. We saw some big time throws. Uh, and we talked about this the, the week after the Tampa Bay game. And the throw to Keelan Cole over Devin White on that skinny post was big. The, the slant route to Braxton Berrios on the sidearm throw where only Braxton Berrios can catch it. And then throwing it to the back shoulder of Kenny Yaboa on third and 10 to throw away from the safety. Like, those are all great anticipation throws. And that's what we saw that Zach Wilson could do in college, right? We saw the big arm. We saw when he got the ball out of his hands and knew where to go with it. He could be a dangerous quarterback. I think he just grew within the office realizing, like, I don't always have to turn down the simple throw, right? I can still throw for 250, 270, almost 300 yards if I literally get rid of this ball when I'm supposed to. Throw with anticipation throw with timing and my receivers get the ball in the open field, then they can make plays for me. I don't have to <clears throat> turn down one play and try to throw it all the way down the field. So I saw the growth in Zach Wilson. And, and if you're a Jet fan and you're a Jet coach, you have to be excited about that. Now, he made some working mistakes, and that's that's going to happen with a young quarterback, and you have to deal with some of those. But you love the growth that he showed the last month of the season. Okay, so where does he got to get better when he comes back here? And I do want to point this out. And he mentioned this when he talked to reporters following that Bills game. You think about the last couple off-seasons for him. One year, he's coming back from shoulder surgery. Yep. The next year, he goes right into it following COVID, what everybody was dealing with there at BYU. And then he comes out for the draft and goes through that whole process. Yeah, uh, Is ultimately drafted by the Jets. Now, he's going to be on the same pro team for a second consecutive year. He's going to have his first true professional offseason. Mm. Remember the tragic passing of Greg Knapp, um, the Jets, and a lot of people in the National Football League not only lost a very good football coach, but a great man. And no he question. was going to be tied to Wilson yeah, throughout this year. Now, John Beck, his personal quarterback coach, the Jets hired him after he got injured. So we started working with him. Beck's going back to Los Angeles right now. And Wilson will have the opportunity to go train with him now. And Beck knows this system. And he was living here at One Jets Drive and watching how the Jets uh, wanted uh, that system working under Mike LaFleur. So he should have all that um, a positive a positive momentum for him heading into the offseason. What do him and John Beck have to work on this offseason so that he can take a sophomore leap as a pro? Yeah, and I'm glad you answered that question. I was wondering if if John Beck, since he got put on staff, was going to stay around the whole time or would he go back to the West Coast? But it seems he'll go back to the West Coast and Zach will get to work with him. I mean, first and foremost, this would be Zach Wilson's first typical offseason in, what, three or four years? Because you yeah. stated it, right? He came off the shoulder surgery. Um, then went into COVID year, then went into the draft process, dealing with COVID, um, got yeah, hurt. Yeah, because those teams weren't year. having spring practices. Exactly. So this this will be the first <laughs> typical, and, and hopefully this will be the first typical. We'll, we'll see what's happening with this disease. Uh, we're crossing Yeah, we're going to cross here, fingers. 
hopefully this will be a, the, the first typical offseason he has where, you know, um, Zach Wilson, since he's only a rookie, should maybe only take one or two weeks, um, just decompress and then get right back into the film room, right? Um, as a rookie quarterback, you're still young in the game. Yes, you need your, your rest and you need to decompress, but you should mentally never turn it off, especially when you're a young player going into year two. They say the biggest growth EA and players is from year one to year two. You see the, the biggest leap. So I would I would see him getting with John Beck right away next week, you know, already getting back into the playbook, looking at film. Now, physically wise, you want, you know, he's, he's still got the knee thing. He's still going to be dealing with that. So he's going to yeah. have to rehab that. Um, so mentally you have to lock in still, right? Now, you Dude, he think, said he wants to put on some weight too. I just want to. That, and I think that'd be massive for him just because. Um, of some of the hits he took this year, right? And okay. then even him using some of that mobility towards the end of the year, you just have to put a little bit more, you know, no meat, more meat on the bones, just just in case to to deal with the rigors of a long seventeen game season, right? He's never had to deal with that before in college. You know, twelve, maybe thirteen games at the most. You're talking about adding a whole another four games on your body with three more preseason games, right? So you're talking about a total of twenty total games. That's something that. You're not equipped for coming out of college. I mean, nobody's equipped for I wasn't equipped for I didn't realize. And this is when I played. We had four preseason games, and camp was a month and a half long. So, like, this camp was a, a drag. Like, damn, like, we still got 16 <laughs> games after this? Like, and a bye week? Like, this is crazy. So, like, he has to get accustomed to that, the rigors of a grueling long season. So, I think putting some weight on would help him um, just because as far as taking some of those hits – uh, being able to bounce back up and then him using his mobility down the stretch and using that potentially more in year two, um, just, just in case he does get hit, being able to, to to withstand some of those hits because he has a little bit more body mass on him. Uh, the offensive line, uh, I think we've talked about it. We did talk about it down the stretch that they played a lot better yeah, for um, sure. over the course of the second half of the season. And George Fant really stood out. In fact, MVP should have been co-MVP. Yeah, there you go. You thought he should have been co-MVP with C.J. Mosley, who had an incredible season with 168 tackles with the heartbeat of the defense. That speaks to how much you thought Fant yeah. played so well uh, this season. WinBet is now live in New Jersey, and they're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports, from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. They have what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $500 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. WinBet, an official sportsbook and gaming partner of the New York Jets. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-270-7117. No Makai Becton. We talked about that. Big offseason for him. Yeah, 100%. Where does this offensive line have to be fortified? Because they seem like they're close. Depth was really challenged in that final game against the Bills, so I don't think that's a fair barometer of where they are at yeah. right now. But Becton's the monster piece here. If Becton comes back, what does this look like? And also, where could they address the line again? Yeah, so, I mean, there's a couple of things you can do, right? Uh, to me, and we've talked about the EA, I believe George Fan has earned the right to stay at left tackle. Um, the issue with Fan has always been he's never had a, a home. And this year with Makai Becton going down, they slid him in the left tackle and he was fine. He was finally able to be comfortable at one spot for 16 games of the season. And it showed well on the film. 
um, the thing that this guy's had to play tight end. He's had to play right tackle, left tackle, guard. They even tried him on defense, EA. Like, this this guy has been all over the place. Was a basketball player coming in to the draft. So, football wasn't even his natural, you know, sport. Mm-hmm. So, he finally got the opportunity to be comfortable at the left tackle position. And he played Pro Bowl caliber type football. So, honestly, uh, you know, Makai Beckton going back to college played right tackle. And then this system, right, uh, your road grader is usually your right tackle. And that's what Makai Beckton, I, I feel like, can be in this system as far as his own scheme, right? You want your, your more fleet of foot guy as your left tackle, which Fant would be. Uh, but, you know, Makai Beckton can play left tackle. But I, I believe he should slide to right. I think it'll be better for his career if he slid to right. Um, I think he can be and, – and and you get this – there's always this this picture that right tackles don't get paid as much. They're not as athletic, but that's not true anymore. If you look at guys like Lane Johnson, you look at guys like Trent Brown, like the right tackle position has come a long way, especially if you have a left-handed quarterback. Technically, that's the blind side. Um, right tackles have come a long way in this league, and more right tackles are starting to get – more recognition for how they play the game of football. So, I mean, you have to get rid of the stigma of, you know, I'm going to right tackle and and it's kind of a downgrade. No, it's it's not a downgrade. Right tackles are getting paid. For Trent Brown was like the highest paid tackle in football at one time, and he was a right tackle. So you uh, you have to get rid of that stigma. I believe Makai Beckton would slide in right perfectly at the right tackle position. Um, and I know everybody was giddy about him and Elijah Vera Tucker maybe being together, being on the left side being like that building block on the left side for Zach for the next seven to 10 years. But I think George Fan has earned the right to be at left tackle. And then the question mark is the right guard position, right? Okay. LDT came in. We're not even sure. Supposedly um, he has to start his residency soon or he could maybe lose his doctorate or something like that. So we don't know what his status will be for next year. Um, you know, you got some, some good reps from GVR. He, uh, you know, lost his spot to LDT, but came back and played really well. The one game he played, um, I think that's something they'll address at the right guard position. I think Connor McGovern played really well this year. I know a lot of people have been enamored, and I'm enamored with you know Tyler Lindenbaum from Iowa. Iowa Center. Yeah, yeah, Iowa Center. But I think Connor McGovern's played really well. Now, if there there's a case where you know Jets without the 11 pick slide back and Ty, and you know they can get you know Tyler Lindenbaum maybe later, then I see that and maybe move Connor McGovern to guard. Um, but We'll see what's happening with that too, and you know, cap casualties. I think McGovern's on the books for one more year. Um, thinking making around about eight million, so we'll we'll see um, what 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 Joe D does again with the flexibility he has with all the cap room and the draft capital. Um, but what I would say majority your, of the, than, the majority of the O line, I, I would say, you. is set is is set as far as coming back. It's all about guys just staying healthy, really, and okay. building that continuity that we talked about in the beginning of the year. Yeah, so that's my thing is that when the Jets say they want to build this thing at the line of scrimmage, they are not that far away. Oh, not at you're, all. you're talking about possibly having a new player at right guard in the starting yeah. lineup. The, the magic piece here is Beckton. Now, let me ask you, is there a number that you're looking at or you don't play those games? You're just saying, hey, whatever that number is that his team and the Jets come together and say, this is where you should be at entering the offseason, entering the regular season, then let's try to target that. Or it, it, you're talking about weight-wise. Weight yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? And we've talked about this too, EA. Like, Makai Beckton's not a normal human being, right? right. So how, how <laughs> can you 
decipher. And the thing is, we haven't seen him on the film enough to see where his best playing weight is because we've only seen one year. Like he literally got hurt in the first half in the Carolina game. So if we had tape from this year, then we have two years to compare, right? Because a, a player truly doesn't know where his probably his best weight to play at is till, till about year three. Because you're still growing into your body when you're 22, 23 years old. So, I mean, it's kind of hard to say where he should be at. You could say he, he should be a little lighter. But, again, the, the scale that you're using is not is for regular human beings. Makai Beckton, Trent Brown, these guys, Zeus Brown, these guys aren't regular human beings. So, it has to be a combination of the player being comfortable and the coaching staff knowing where they feel like he could be at his best way. Because there's been situations where, you know, I played 10 years – I've seen, you know, guys have certain weights, and I'm like, and if I coaches tell me I had to be a certain weight, I'm like, I can't play at that. Like, either whether it's too heavy, I've never had one that was too light, but there's been times where they wanted me heavy, and I was like, I can't, I can't play at that weight. Like, that's you won't be effective. I won't be effective. Like, and I understand this is the weight you want me at, but if if you want me to do the job that I know I have to do, then I have to be at this this weight here. I can't be that heavy. So it'll be interesting to see. Now I already saw some good things on social media. He's already gotten with a nutritionist, so that's good, and 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 we'll see. And I, you know, Mike, I think Mike Garofolo came out and said the plan was for him to come back, but the knee kind of you know healed up slower than the Jets thought it would. And by the time he could have maybe potentially came back from rehab, it was about him getting back in shape, and he had gained a few pounds. So I mean, that's going to happen with a big guy. Anytime you deal deal with an injury, they're going to probably put on some weight. So <clears throat> it's not just about rehabbing getting back right you have to get back in shape to play football so i think the jets did a good thing in just shutting him down and not trying to rush him out there and maybe even getting him hurt worse than he already was if you're morgan moses who came in here late on a one-year deal yeah you're an nfl starter so as he approaches free agency do you anticipate that he'll likely be somewhere else not because the jets don't value him they certainly value him but at the same uh, at the other end of the spectrum, um, you know, they're probably thinking, hey, we get Beckton back in the mix and fans already here under contract. It might be hard to keep somebody like that because you'd have to give Moses starting money, correct? Well, not necessarily, right? Because this was the same okay. situation last year, right? George Fenton was here, Makai Beckton was here, and Morgan Moses ended up signing. I believe he only signed for like, what, three mil EA, if I'm not mistaken, or something like that. Yeah, um, he, he took a chance on himself, dude. Yeah, one okay. year deal. So, yeah, he has the opportunity to potentially go somewhere. But I honestly could see him coming back here. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, EA, but the, the third offensive tackle nowadays in the NFL gets paid upwards to $6 million. And it's because of situations like we saw this year, right? Mm. Um, NFL is 100% injury rate. And your third offensive tackle most likely is going to play somewhere between 30 to 50% of the snaps each season, unless you just have two star worth offensive tackles that never get hurt, which is rare. That rarely happens. So a guy like Morgan, Morgan Moses, it's not out of the, the stratosphere to think that Jess could get him back on another one year deal. And this could be potentially the best place he could be at because of the same issues that happened last year. Like we saw not only Makai Beckman go down, we saw George Fent miss a few games this year. So yeah, there's yeah. a good chance that he could come back and be the third tackle because those third tackles, Again, they get paid from like three to six million dollars to be the swing guy. And then you got guys, you know, guys, even Michael LaFleur will sometimes use an extra tackle in certain, you know, sets and certain plays. So I think it would, you know, behoove uh, Morgan Moses to potentially come back with the Jets. He says he's like he he likes it here. 
I think this is a marriage that could work for another one year. And it just depends on, you know, George Fent and, and also Makai Becton being healthy because that's only going to help his stock, right, as far as coming back to the Jets because he can say, you know, I end up coming and, and playing 16 games here because the other, the other two offensive tackles weren't healthy. But me, you know, I've always been healthy, right? I believe he played in, I want to say, <laughs> five straight years without missing a game or anything like that. So this is a guy that is constantly always healthy, and he proved again this year. And I, I believe he got banged up a little bit in the game versus Buffalo as well. He played the most snaps on anybody along that offensive line. You're mm-hmm. right. He's a culture piece. He yeah. obviously liked playing here. You could listen to him throughout the year and at the season's end. He was raving about uh, what they're instilling here, and he likes to yeah. be part of this. I think it'd be fantastic if you got him back in a fold. I mean, the Jets' offensive line really could take a leap if you had Becton back, healthy Morgan Moses, George Fan on the outside. Talk Your tackles that. would rival anybody in the National Football League. Yeah, talk about that. And then another guy that we could throw in there is Dan Finney. I know a lot of people had question marks yep. about him, but in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, Dan Finney was balling. Like, and he was probably <laughs> playing the best nose tackle in football in Vita Vea. <clears throat> and he held it down. Like, he graded out the highest, played really well. He took advantage of his opportunity towards the end of the year when Connor McGovern went down. So that is another potential debt piece. And maybe he's played his way into a, a, another team, giving him, the, you know, the opportunity to maybe potentially go out there and compete to start. So we'll see how that plays out, because I believe he only signed a one-year deal as well. So, you know, Dan Feeney and Morgan Moses are two depth guys that, if you're the Jets, you kind of want to hang on to those pieces, right? Because now you're talking about fortifying the depth on your offensive line. And that has always been the issue with the Jets the last few years was the depth on the offensive line. Well, we saw the depth get tested this year, and we see we saw guys step up when they had to. We saw, you know, Morgan Moses step up. We saw Dan Feeney step up. We, see, we saw LDT step up. So you got to have depth on your offensive line because more than likely, guys are going to play that are backups. I'm excited what the future prospects are for this line under John Benton yeah. and Mike LaFleur. We saw him continuing to evolve in his first season. He's only going to get better as a coordinator. Sure. Uh, let's skip the running back position because yeah. I think the Jets are in good hands there with Michael Carter. And however, the rest of that depth You're looks about to say, like, but you got to talk about the depth EA. Yeah, I know. I know, but I'm saying like it, San Francisco, I'm watching San Francisco in the playoffs. dude. <laughs> And, and I know the Jets aren't going to be the exact same team. We all um, got Debo. <laughs> yeah, everybody would like a little bit of Debo Samuel. But let's just talk about the skill position players as a whole. Mm-hmm. What does this team need in addition to health? Because he talked about Elijah Moore. He's dynamic. Five touchdowns this year. Just 11 games played. Hopefully he can play 15, 16 games next season. Michael Carter leads the team in rushing this season. Another rookie. Um, Corey Davis was the go-to guy for Zach Wilson way back early yeah. in the season. Unfortunately, he went on injured reserve early this season. We talked about Barrios developing the tight end position. You're going to need more from that. Just as a whole, what do you have to address this offseason at skill positions? At the uh, yeah, I would say a few things. You got to get a number one overall receiver, right? A, somebody that can create mixed ma- mismatches on the outside. Somebody that Zach can trust in that can go up and get the ball. Um, a few names we talked about earlier: Allen Robinson, Calvin really potentially is going to be up for trade. I like a guy in and with the Chargers, Mike Williams. He would be a different receiver than the Jets have on the roster as far as a guy mm. that can go up 50-50 jump balls. 
had a real explosive season this year, played really well in that last game versus the, you know, Las Vegas Raiders. Now the thing is a lot of people see him as maybe a one B. Um, but to me, he would still be probably the, the, the most skilled receiver in this building from day one. Uh, the thing that you worry about with him is the injury history he's had before. Now he was healthy this year, but he's had some injury histories in, in the past, but as far as explosiveness, as far as going up and getting the ball, a target in the red zone that Zach Wilson could trust. I really like Mike Williams. And then the tight end, the tight end position definitely has to be addressed this offseason. Like, um, especially in this offense, and we see it with, you know, Shanahan, with George Kittle, what he means to that offense. We see it in Green Bay with Robert Tunyon, what he meant before he got hurt to that offense with Aaron Rodgers and Green. Like, you have to have a tight end that can stretch down the seams, that can stretch linebackers and safeties one-on-one, and a guy that can block as well because both of those guys can do that. So I think pivotal is to get a number one uh, tight end because that's a safety blanket, especially for a young quarterback over the middle where they can trust their tight end is going to be there. Um, So getting a number one tight end, and then I would think just getting depth at the running back position right behind Michael Carter because we saw that – even though he's not big in stature, he runs physical and he missed a few games because of injury. So getting depth at the running back position will be big going into this offseason. I like a guy like Melvin Gordon. That's going to be a free agent from Denver. Mm. And the funny thing is he played with Javante Williams, who was Michael Carter's teammate in college. And he showed really well out there in Denver. I think he would be a nice depth piece, a number one, I mean, a one-two punch with Michael Carter would be really nice with Melvin Gordon. I didn't like that fumble against the Chiefs. I, that wasn't on him, though. Did you see? They literally didn't block Melvin Ingram. Oh, my like God. He, they should have got out of that play, got, bro. He got smoked what? right when he had I'm the ball in his hands. I'm snap I'm like, there's no way they're running right into this. Is literally. Right. But that's what happens when Drew Locke's your quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, um, Wilson, we talked about his evolution. We talked about the offensive line, how you're real close there. Yeah. You want the Jets to be aggressive at the receiver position and tight end position. Um, let's connect this to the draft real quick before we flip okay. to the defensive side of the ball. Is four or ten too early to take a receiver in your eyes? Let's just say you get through a free agency and you you didn't get a one, you didn't get a one B or whatever, and you're entering the draft. I I know I'm speaking hypotheticals here, but um, do you think? just what you know about the draft right now and the prospects that anybody would be worthy of that kind of selection at a four or 10. Nah, too high for receiver. Okay. Now, if both of the receivers from Alabama were healthy, maybe at the 10 or 11 spot, uh, potentially the jets could take a receiver there. But I think um, as far as guys that are going to be healthy that are out right now, I think that's too high to take a receiver in this draft class. Um, and that's why I think the jets could potentially trade back. Right. Um, mm-hmm. A guy that I really like, um, you know, Hutchinson is going to be most likely gone by the time the Jets pick it for. Um, I I really like David uh, Ojabo, the other Michigan DN. And potentially I've seen some mock drafts that have the Jets taking him with the second pick. Now, I think that's a pick that the guys should trade down. And if they can get him at like 15, 16, that's perfect. If not, if you trade back and get into the 20s, a guy that I really like that the Jets will be able to get their hands on and see. Majay Sanders from Cincinnati, defensive end, big, long defensive end. Reminds you of Chandler Jones a lot. This is a guy that Jets will be able to get, you know, one-on-one work with down at the Senior Bowl. And we saw how pivotal that is. We saw Debo Samuels with the San Francisco 49ers coaching staff, and they drafted him in the second round in the West. The rest is history. 
So this is this will be a big opportunity for this coaching staff to be down there with Jim Nagy and the Senior Bowl and to be down there with some of the top prospects in all of college football because they get access to these guys for a whole week, right? Uh, I think Kyle Shanahan said it perfectly the other day. Like, it's easy to trick a guy in one meeting, but it's really hard to trick a guy when you're with him seven days a week, right? They see your, your work ethic. They see how you interact with teammates and coaches for seven days. Your true self is going to eventually come out. So they get to really evaluate, and this is a great opportunity for this Jets coaching staff. Yeah, the Jets going down there along with the Detroit Lions staffs. The Lions picked number two overall. I always thought that it, it made sense for them to take Aiden Hutchinson. What is Jacksonville going to do at number one? It's interesting. They might take Aiden look- Hutchinson. Yeah, they're not <laughs> yeah. they're not looking for a quarterback. Obviously, they got their guy in Trevor Lawrence. How about the Jaguars taking down the Colts <laughs> to wrap up the regular season? Kayvon Thibodeau, thoughts on him? He's a good player. He's a project, though. Like, a lot of people project. have him right behind Hutchison. I I think he's more of a project. Honestly, I wouldn't I I wouldn't take him in the top 20 picks. I wouldn't take him in the first round, honestly. This is just wow. me. Wow, okay. Yeah, I just think he's a, he's a project, man. Um, I'm always iffy, and, and <laughs> Pac-12 people are probably going to kill me. I'm always iffy about Pac-12 linemen, man, um, and just the history of them. But I, yeah, I don't defense alignment, not Elijah. Barry honest, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but see, USC is the one caveat to that, right? Okay. USC, they have a long history of putting out defensive and offensive linemen. So, like, you trust you trust that. Um, Oregon has put some good guys out. You talk about Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner. Both of those are really good players. And I believe Kenny Clark went to UCLA. But those are the exception. They're not the rule. Like, you got the Deion Jordans and – everybody else that has been drafted high that hasn't pan out as well from some of those Pac-12 schools. So uh, he's he's quick twitch guy now, right? Um, I worry about him a little bit on the edge as far as the run game. Um, and again, I think he's a project. I think David Ojabo has a higher ceiling than him. And he's a bigger, he's a bigger end too. So uh, yeah, that's I would I would take David Ojabo before I took Tavon Thibodeau. Thibodeau's going to be a good player. I'd, somebody's going to take him in the top five. I just wouldn't take him in the top five. WinBet is now live in New Jersey, and they're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports, from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. They have what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. WinBet, an official sportsbook and gaming partner of the New York Jets. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-270-7117. Dudes, let's flip to the defensive side of the ball. We said it starts the line of scrimmage, and we spent a lot of time talking about Mackay Becton and how close the Jets, frankly, are on the offensive line. How about the defensive line? What would a healthy Carl Lawson do up front for a team that says its defense is predicated on causing chaos up front? You saw Lawson on the field in the summer before he went to Green Bay and went down with that Achilles tear. He was the best player on the field for the Jets every day throughout the summer. Explosive, quick twitch. He would have been a game changer, I thought. Yeah, and you stated it right. This defense is predicated off the defensive line creating havoc up front. And, and missing Carl Lawson was monumental for this team. Now, it, it allowed guys like John Franklin Myers to be able to step up. And I think you talk about adding not only depth, but you talk about one of your explosive playmakers back on the edge with the Carl Lawson, with a potential 
of a first round pick or somebody in free agency that you're going to add. You talk about a guy like Bryce Huff, who really started the season on fire, but ended up having that back injury, kind of derailed some of his development. He'll be coming back hopefully a lot healthier next year. So having Carl Lawson is monumental for this team because a guy like John Franklin Meyer is so versatile that you can even kick him inside more at the defensive tackle position on passing downs. Now you're talking about having more depth and more rotational help at your defensive tackle position on third downs. So now you get to rotate guys like Sheldon Rankins. You get to rotate Quentin Williams and John Franklin Myers inside. And on the outside, you got Bryce Huff. You got, you know, Carl Lawson and John Franklin Myers and potential another defensive end that you may be taking the first round or you get in free agency. So having Carl Lawson back would be monumental for not only this defensive line, but this defense. And and if you're him, you got to like what you saw from Cam Akers coming off the Achilles yesterday in the playoff game. Him being able to cut, um, run with physicality and not really worry about his Achilles. You know, medicine has grown so much and advanced so much these last few years that, you know, the ACLs and Achilles guys are coming back a lot sooner from. So uh, from everything that I've heard, he's done really well in his rehab and hopefully um, he'll be able to start doing some light stuff in the spring and be ready when fall camp rolls around. But getting him back in 100% health, 100% healthy will be monumental for not only this defense, but this team. What about the linebacker position? And we talked all year about Mosley. Um, we had a waiver fine here with the Jets. Joe Douglas found Quincy Williams, and he found his fit defensively. Would you pencil Williams in as a starter? And much like Zach Wilson and everybody, all the offensive rookies we were talking about, big off seasons for Jamie and Sherwood, who the Jets love, and Hams and Nasrul Dean as yeah. well. We forget about those rookies, I think, because obviously they battled the injury this year as well. Yeah, to me, Quincy Williams has earned a right to to start as a starter right now. It's his job to solidify himself next to CJ as a starter going forward. But I think he's earned a right to be penciled in as a starter now. Who's to say the Jets still don't go out there in free agency and try to bring in one veteran? And you talked about, you know, Nazardine and Sherwood. The, their plan this year was for them not to take too much anyway. But with the injury to Jared Davis, Sher Sherwood was, you know, thrust into action to start right away and then Nazardine had to play right away as well too so Robert Schaller really didn't want them to take too many reps this year maybe 10 to 15 reps a game but they had to get action in right away because of the injuries and then Sherwood ended up going down with a significant injury so next year will be big for them again the biggest year in leap as far as production usually for a player is year one to year two so hopefully that both of these guys can be you know solidified in just one position because if you remember, EA, they had to learn multiple positions. Like Sherwood was playing Sam, then he had to play Will, then he had to play Mike. And that's a lot for any rookie to do, and especially having to start as a rookie when you were expected to be a special teams ace because both of these guys are really good special teams players. They were expected to be special teams players and then contribute some on defense, not come out the gate being starters on defense, but they had to come out the gate being starters on defense because of some of the injuries. So going into next year, right, Hopefully they can just solidify them at the will or the mic and maybe Nazarene the Sam and the will, and they won't have to put too much on their plate and they'll grow in year two. And this will be their second year in the system. So they'll feel a lot more comfortable. Okay. So two parter, as far as the secondary is concerned, uh, you, you couldn't watch the jets this year, not come away. Very encouraged about the play of their cornerbacks, whether that be Bryce hall in his second year, who, told us here on the pod we are 
presented by WinBet. Betting is a team sport, but together at WinBet, he told us his next step in his development is not just getting the PDs where he's one of the yeah, league leaders. Ball, yeah, yeah. yeah need yeah. interceptions next year, the turnovers. Okay. And then on the other side of uh, Brandon Eccles, you probably never would have thought that he would have made the, the, the amount of starts he did this year. He had a pick six against Played the well, Miami though. Dolphins. He had a number of PDs, um, six-round pick out of Kentucky. And then Michael Carter the second. You got to find it's a nickel position right there. Sure. Do you make a big swing at the cornerback position, possibly in free agency across from Hall? And then what do you do at safety? Nine players, I believe, nine or ten started at the safety position this year. The Jets finished the year with Jason Pinnock, a converted cornerback, playing safety with Elijah Riley, a guy who the Jets plucked off the Eagles at about the midseason point. Yeah, yeah, a lot to break down here, right? Because <laughs> if you look at this system in the past, right, they, you know, defensive coaches in the system usually don't make big free agent acquisitions at the corner position. Um, and Brendan Eccles, you know, a lot of people talking about Bryce Hall and all the PDs he had. Brendan Eccles played actually really well down the stretch for the New York Jets, and he showed something that Bryce Hall didn't, a knack to go get the football. Right, and if you want to be a dominant corner in this league, you got to go get the football. So honestly, uh, just knowing Robert Sala and his philosophy, you know, a lot of people have you know Stingley from LSU going to the Jets before. I don't see the Jets making a cornerback draft pickup early in the first round. Now, I do believe they will draft a corner, maybe second, third round. I don't think they're going to draft the quarter corner in the first round. I don't even think they're going to bring a huge free agent acquisition. Now they will bring a veteran corner in for sure. A hundred percent. But I don't think it's going to be a guy where you're like, he's going to change the defense from day one. But I believe Robert Sala believes in the system. He believes in these young players and their development. He believes in Brandon Eccles and his ability to go get the ball. He believes the aggression in Michael Carter in the slot to be able to hold down that slot position and then come up in the run game when he has to. And he believes in the length of Bryce Hall he just wants Bryce Hall to go get the ball a little more. And, and when we talked to Bryce Hall, he said the same thing. Now, the safety position is totally different. I believe the Jets will bring in two new starters at the safety position. And in this system, you have to have two viable safeties that are interchangeable. That that was what Robert Sala's idea was when he brought LaMarcus Joyner in to pair, pair with Marcus May. Both of these guys have good ball skills. Both of these guys can play in the box, and they're interchangeable. And if you look at San Francisco with Jakarski Tart, and Jimmy Ward, both of those guys are interchangeable. Jimmy Ward has the corner background, so he can cover tight ends one on one. Jakarski Tart has the cover has doesn't have the corner background, but he has the coverage skill background when he can take away tight ends and down the seam and to the flat. And that's what they do, and they're interchangeable. So in this system, you got to have two safeties that are smart, that are interchangeable, and both have really good cover skills. So I believe the Jets will be aggressive when it comes to the safety position. Because in his defense, your safeties, they, they take you a long way as far as the run fits and the being able to have the coverage skills that they need in this system. Marcus Williams might be a free agent. Jesse Bates, I know yeah. you like him a lot. Cincinnati Bengals. Jordan Whitehead in Tampa. I really like yeah. him. So uh, those are guys that potentially could be on the market. Uh, any quick thought on Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame? He'll probably be gone by the time the Jets pick. Uh, now he'll be there. He'll be there for both of the picks, but I, I, I wouldn't take a safety that high. Okay. All right. Okay. And he's a, he's so, a good player, but I wouldn't. 
I mean, the last time the Jets took a safety down, it didn't work out too well. I mean, it worked out <laughs> as far as draft it actually, conversation. It actually did it. That's right. In the long the draft run, it conversation, it worked out, but uh, it, it didn't work out in the long haul for the Jets. This is a rare spot, this upcoming draft. You got four picks in the top 38. The franchise yeah. has only been in that kind of situation, four picks in the top 40, three times since 1970. Yeah. I mean, this is really a rare it's spot. It's rare. <laughs> yes, rare spot for the Jets here this offseason. Um, dudes, I've enjoyed it so much. Uh, you break it down as well as anybody. I know fans are starting to uh, become accustomed to where you're at, whether it's with us or SNY. We did uh, Jets game day with Robert Sala this year. Um, for Jets analysis, it's as good as it gets, this guy bringing to the table. I had a lot of fun this year, brother. Yeah, me too. Appreciate you, EA, and everything, man. One of the best teammates I've had. It's going to be very fun. Uh, an action-packed offseason ahead for the Jets. Only one team is going to be named champion, and everybody else will get to work. The Jets have already started their offseason preps. Robert Sala and company are going to be down in Mobile, Alabama. We'll be covering that. We'll check in with dues at various points throughout the offseason. Enjoy it all year. Subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks, LeJay. Thanks to everybody who's yeah. listened and watched us on YouTube throughout the year as well.